Hello, and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Brian and Harris, each episode will try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Dad Genes Podcast. This is the podcast where we explore the DNA of healthy fathering. And today, this is episode two of our origin stories. Brian. Yes, yes. How you feel, man? You ready for this? Uh, looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to it. Put some thought into the questions and appreciate, um, I appreciate the, the deep level um, of, of all the questions. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Are y'all looking forward to it? Yeah, man. I'm excited. I mean, take it easy on the brother. That's all I got to say. Nope. <laughs> I love it. I love I'm ready it. for that one. Like, I love it. I know that's right. Well, before we jump into with the first question, I just want to do a brief check-in. How's everybody doing? And uh, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, so my two girls, they had uh, the flu. They had the flu. And it was rough. It was rough there. And they're so different because one daughter, as soon as she her degree went down, the temperature went down one degree. Oh, man, she was doing cartwheels. We like, you still sick. You know, sit down. And then you have my other daughter who's like, I'm just going to sleep for three days. Uh, so I'm just happy we didn't get sick. You know, we um, and I'm going old school. I'm over here. Taking, you know, cayenne, pepper, garlic, ginger, uh, honey, you know, putting it all in in tea and just drinking it down. And I'm, I'm not sick. So either, you know, either the, my concoction worked or I'm just lucky, but I'm going to put it on the concoction. Hey, it, if it works and it don't kill you, I guess it keeps you stronger. Hey, Amen. I mean, put that. Kichi in that and call it a day, man. I'll pass. Give me my dog on <laughs> Tylenol from Target and I'm good. They, they got a whole shelf for you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, shelves. <laughs> all, right, all right. You know, keep it. Hold on to your kidneys while you got them. I mean, hey, I mean, you know what? Good point. <laughs> now, um, everything is good on this end. Um, you know, start off the new year on a strong note. Uh, Ella's mom and I are committed to trying to introduce a new food each week. Uh, and so far, listen, we're so far beyond, uh, where we should be as it pertains to, to introducing foods to her. Uh, she's eight and, uh, to her chicken is a square. So, you know, we got a lot to, a lot of work to do. Um, so you know, we're, we're going along. The first week was eggs and the next week was salmon. And so, so far, so good. Oh, wow. I thought you're going to be like the third week is water. Right. Yes. You know what? Actually, she's, she's good on the water, but, um, yeah, you know, it's bad when every time some, somebody offers your kid something, she says, daddy, do I eat that? Exactly. 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 But think of it like this, man. I don't think I was eight. And ever had salmon, so I mean that's that's a that's it's pretty that's pretty unique. That's yeah. pretty huge. That's pretty huge. Okay, but now answer me this: If your mom cooked it, 
would you have had a choice to whether you eat salmon or not? Listen, I tell you this much: I would have been eating salmon all my life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We had salmon patties. I didn't even listen as a kid. I thought salmon were circles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Ma. I love you, Ma. <laughs> it's, it's weird how that works. But Absolutely. B, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing well, man. I'm blessed and um it's it's been a beautiful January. Celebrated uh the big the big four oh this month and 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 had a chance to see family and to see some friends and um you know started the new year off with um a rejuvenated sense of the best representation of who I can be um in this world. So it was just it was it was it was it was awesome. It was amazing. So I'm doing well, man. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Any uh any so at 40 is there anything that was a surprise to you? Do, you? do you ache a little bit or are you a little stronger than you thought you were going to be? How is it versus what you thought it was going to be? Man, listen, I've been aching before 40. So <laughs> I woke up at 40 and one day and felt like I did at 39 before that one day. So um, there, there there wasn't a shock with that. Um, it, it, I don't know. I, I, I The thinking is becoming a little bit more crystallized, if that makes any sense. So an example would be, you know what? I don't have to jump off these two stairs if I don't want to. I'm I'm just going to take my time. And in that moment, you can think about all of the outcomes, right? It's just like, (laughs) I didn't have that at 21, you know? And so uh, it's, it's crystallized thinking, it's patience. And, you know, you, you put your life into perspective now. It's just like, you know, I want to make sure that I live the next 40, right? So what do I need to go ahead and, and focus on to to get to that level? So Man. just trying to level up. You went, to, you went into mortality. I mean, thinking. you know, that's what 40 does, right? Because, you know, this world has a crazy way of letting you know that, you know, you're close to 50, mm. right? Or you're close to 60. Right. And so um, not leaning into that space as much as God has blessed me with 40 years, Right. And so I want to continue to walk the path to be able to say that God blessed me with 80 years. So that's that's more of what it is instead of what do I need to accomplish in the next 40? I got you. That's what's up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. well, then this is the perfect segue, man. Let's jump into what will be your interview. Yes, yes, yes. And I have to be honest and very open this was this was challenging for me, right? Because these are questions that um, you internally think about at times, but you may not be able to articulate it in this way. But to have uh, friends frame them by way of a knowing more about me, but b me leaning into discomfort, um, I had to exhale and really reflect and appreciate the blessing of venturing off into this into this chapter. So much appreciated for the depth of these questions. Harris knows you and I know you, but for the listeners who are just hearing you for the first time or who may want to get to know you a little better, what's your six-word memoir? My six-word memoir happens to be, you're the best of your father. And I came to that by way of thinking of the relationship that I had with my father. And it wasn't until I got older that I began to see the strengths 
but I also had to reconcile with the struggles. And my dad was able to do the best of what he was able to do with what he had. And there were factors that I wasn't aware of that contributed to the struggles. And so as I think about my dad's story, everything that he is, I am also. And that's the laughs, that's the smiles, that's the stubbornness, that's the patience, that's the um, personable nature with people. Um, you know, and so that's how, um, how I was able to frame those, those six words. I'm the best reflection of, 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 of my dad. No, that's, um, that's powerful, man. It was, it actually, it didn't shock me, but it definitely took me to a place. Uh, you know, if you're just thinking about all the stories, especially, you know, our generation and fathers um, and the complexity thereof. That's really powerful, man. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. And I thought that that was surface at first, but the more I began to think about it, the more I said that that kind of uh, encapsulates, um, you know, how I am able to look at my dad and how I'm going to be able to share who granddad was with, with, with my son. Indeed. So on the note of sharing uh, with your son, um, my question is, so if you could only choose like one piece of art to guide your son through life, what would that be? You know, and so this is an easy one for me um, because I can remember being in my dad's presence when he gave me this piece of art. Some don't see it as art, others see it as a tool, and I see it as a microcosm of, of life, and that is a baseball glove. Hmm. And the reason why I say a baseball glove um, is because when you get a brand new baseball glove, the leather is very tight. Um, it's not been broken in. Um, it doesn't have your, your touch or your sense of uh, you. Um, it's it's stock. And this was a moment that my father and I shared. And how do you break down a glove? Because I got the glove and I just wanted to start playing baseball immediately. <laughs> but I didn't have the strength in my hand and the dexterity in my hand to be able to close the glove. Right. So I'm just putting it out there aimlessly and free, hoping that the ball falls into the glove. And of course, that didn't happen. But he would take the glove and he would get uh, a baseball and he would wrap the baseball inside of the glove. And then he would put um, some mortar oil inside of the glove with the ball and then wrap rubber bands and strings around the glove and leave it under the couch. And it was crazy because you come in our house and you would see a couch that was on a gangster lane and <laughs> folks would be like, what's wrong with your couch? My dad would be like, that's my son's baseball glove. Just leave it there. And over the course of some days, over the course of some 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 weeks, we would take the glove out. He would open it. He would close it, open it, close it, and just repeat it back and forth, back and forth until it started to become more malleable. And it wasn't until then that it became my glove, right? And so during that time, what I learned was anticipation, patience, and all of this was a part of a process. Um, what I saw as a kid was just getting out on the field to play baseball. What I recognized as a dad was this was our moment together. And that process of breaking down a baseball glove is a microcosm of life. You just can't get 
to home base without getting into the stadium. Mm. You know, and so that would be the piece of art. Um, and this is something I'm going to do with with my son, right? I'm an athlete. I love sports. I love playing sports. But you have to understand that there are steps and there are levels. And no one, when they look at baseball, comments on the glove. Mm. But you can't play baseball without a what? A I glove. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Bats break. Balls are hit out of parks. But if you don't have a glove, you have no game. So that would be the piece of art that I would that I would give give to my son. And if I could have a particular piece and call it art, I would love to have a signed Bo Jackson outfield center glove to be able to give to 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 my son. Oh, that's 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 deep, man. Yeah. Um, you know, because Bo is multifaceted. Oh, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's just one of those things where you find a connection to individuals that either share a name with you or share a look or a like. And that was the athlete for me back when I was growing up in the 90s. I had his shoes. I had his jersey. Um, I had the high top fade. I didn't have the six pack. But, you know, I mean, I'm still working on that to this day. So, you know, it's one, it's one of those things. It's a process. It's interesting listening to your your story from from your childhood. Tell us a little bit more, man. Uh, for the people who don't know, where are you from? What, what was your relationship with your father like growing up? So, I mean, I'm very proud to be from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, yes, there are black people in in Milwaukee, and the city by itself um, has a very interesting history. Um, you know, my parents migrated to Wisconsin from, from the South. Um, and they they made stops in Kentucky. They made stops in Arkansas. They made stops in Illinois. And then they made stops in Wisconsin. Uh, grew up in a family of four, older sister, my mom and my pops, uh, and grew up on what was perceived as the black side of town in, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee is very segregated. And I didn't know that as a kid because I went to integrated schools all throughout. Um, but Milwaukee was the type of city was hardworking. It was blue collar. Um, everybody knew everybody. Um, we were fortunate enough to have uh, a lake and sports and sports teams. And so there were aspects of being able to get excited about Wisconsin. Um, and so, you know, my relationship with my dad growing up was going to Milwaukee Brewers games and, and tailgating with the family, uh, watching him play softball when, when I was a kid, um, you know, going to taverns and bars and watering holes and seeing that my dad knew everyone and everyone knew my dad, um, you know, just sitting out on the back porch and, and grilling and making Johnsonville brats. And he had Miller Lite and the old school van that had the carpet in it with the two little fish tank windows in the back that looked like the A-team van, but it wasn't A-team. It was like the B-team, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that that was my life growing up in the 80s, man. I saw my neighborhood go from um, house to house with with manicured lawns and and, and working families to becoming the dilapidated, um, you know, 
struggles that we see to this day. Crack hit Wisconsin and Milwaukee very hard. And so the gang violence, uh, and, and I grew up in that environment, but my family basically told me as a kid, if you do what you need to do to be successful, you will be exactly that. And so, um, I didn't fear my streets. I feared my parents. So there was something in the sauce that I, I, I bought into. And um, my older sister was eight years older than me. And so I knew that I needed to go to high school when I was in elementary school. I knew that I needed to go to college when I was in middle school. So all of these things with that example set a foundation that Milwaukee was going to be a, a chapter in the story and it wasn't going to be the story. If I may, Brian. Yeah. You, you speak about the role of fear. Mm-hmm. And and how it worked it to your ultimate favor, yeah. In, in in terms of keeping you on the path, what role? What if any role? I don't want to presume. What if any role do you want fear to play in in your fatherhood journey? You know that's that's a a very complex question with with multiple with multiple layers, right? Because there there is the fear that comes with an end. Right. A means to an end. Sure. Um, But then there's also the fear that comes with motivation and encouragement. Uh, But then there's also fear of chasing something that you internally know is not there, but you still want to face it. Right. And so I want fear to be the factor that motivates me to a confront B to continue or see question. Um, and I, and I want to instill that, you know, in, into my son, you know, to kind of give you an example, right? Like I knew that I had to be in the house when the streetlights came on. The fear was if I wasn't home, I wasn't going to be able to go out again. That's a means to an end. Right. But then there was this innate sense of, well, I'm a little bit older now. I know I don't have to be in at a certain time, but I want to respect my family. So then that kind of leads into knowing that something is there. So you just want to face it. And that's the responsibility piece. Um, And so I really want fear to be a factor that allows for me to still show up. And if I am scared to say that I'm scared, vocalize it. If I need help to ask for help and to vocalize it. And lastly, if I know I got it, just just get it done. Just do it. So that's what I want fear to play as 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 a part of of my fathering, and I want to instill that into um, my son as well. You know, I think um, that question actually really dovetails to, and you've heard me say this all the time. You know, trauma not transformed becomes trauma transferred. So, I guess. Um, are there any talking about fears? Are there any traumas that you feel like you know you haven't dealt with or you have dealt with that you want to try to protect your son from? Like you know, when you think about your story and what you've been through, um, what things have you actually had to like cope with yourself to make sure that you know there aren't those generational curses passed on? I mean, that's a great question. And I think that a lot of times this isn't a question that um, most black men can answer or sit with. 
um, it, I thought about this um, as I was going through um, my trials and my triumphs with with my father. Um, he was consistent throughout my life. I was one of the only kids growing up in in my neighborhood that had a father, right? And so my father was like uh, the 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 quintessential dad of of the neighborhood, right? Like no one messed with our our house, right? Like no one messed with our cars. If someone did, um, you know, folks would come back and apologize, right? Mm-hmm. Like 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 mm-hmm. that 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 was my dad. Um, and so I saw him as my hero. He was my first hero. <clears throat> but then I also started to recognize that alcoholism was something that um, was a part of his life as well. And I saw aspects of how alcohol uh, made my dad forgetful, made my dad angry, made my dad resentful, made my dad a variety of things. And my dad's drink of choice was was black velvet, was whiskey. And, you know, to be six years old going into a liquor store and knowing what a pint was, right? And, and knowing um, what black velvet was by way of the label or by way of the, the words. And he would have these pints almost everywhere. There would be one that he would store in his car. There would be one under his chair in the house. There would be one here. There would be one there. And I would just consistently find them. And I just thought that it was just a normal thing, right? And I would see him take swigs at different times of the day, but my dad always showed up for me, right? My dad was always there. He was never verbally or physically abusive. Um, I just thought that this was this was normal. And as I got older and got college age, um, I made it a point to say that I was not going to drink um, to the point where I didn't have my first drink until I was 21 years old and in college. Oh, wow. uh, and my friends were shocked, right? <laughs> but they didn't know the backstory. But I had seen episodes of my dad coming in drunk and leaving the stove on with food in it, um, you know, getting so angry that he would knock doors off of hinges. But I didn't know why. And I didn't know what the antecedent was to all of, of what my dad was being transformed into with this thing called black velvet. And so that leaves a mark. Right. And so what that became for me was not drinking until I turned uh, 21, but it wasn't consistent until I got into my thirties where I was drinking a little bit more. Um, I have an addictive personality, very similar to that of my dad. And so what I see with our relationship was there was a detachment between my father and I for um, about 10 years. We still kept in touch, but it was very surface level Mm. Um, to the point where, um, you know, I graduated from college and um, became a professional working young man and and, and had a, a house and a car and, started to ask my dad certain questions about his life that brought us a lot closer. And so it was having the courage to ask these questions, but I'd never really had the courage to ask the right questions. Mm. What Uh, are those? You never know what the right question is until there's a level of vulnerability where you feel that you've gotten to that level, right? It's like the glow in The Last Dragon. Mm. Right. And it's it's it's. You know, when you've asked the right question, 
right? Because there really is no answer in real time. Right. Right. Like the, the answer shows up in action. The answer shows up into being pulled in a little bit closer. And so we just started to hit that stride when my dad was diagnosed with stage four terminal lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that happened in 2016 in February, I got the message, the note, the news. Um, and so that doesn't mean let's start asking him questions about his life when you want to start focusing on the questions about maintaining one's life. Mm-hmm. And so um, to bring this full circle, the trauma that I feel is is being transferred, um, that my wife is is doing a great job at supporting, my therapist is doing an even better job at, at supporting, and, and family and friends are doing a magnificent job at supporting, is helping me cope with not confronting what I was feeling during that real time with these life-changing events. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what trauma looks like for me. Again, like I said, I have an addictive personality. I, that, that may be a reflection of my dad. It may not be alcohol, but it may be working out. It may be, um, you know, knowing music better than the average person, right? It may be knowing architecture and bridges better than the average person. It may be isolating myself to being disconnected from other people because I'm in my own thoughts. And that's the roundabout way of saying that I'm still walking this journey of figuring out what the transference of that trauma manifests itself in during this, these real times. I, I just want to thank you. Um, I want to thank you for that. All, all of that was very powerful, very, very thoughtful. Um, you know, we know you, but the audience doesn't. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I feel like that's a very familiar story. Uh, not not to the point of, you know, being a stereotype. Uh, you know, we always got to think before we say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, I know some of that was my story and mm-hmm. we came from completely different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, your thought process through that and your awareness, uh, it's, it's really beautiful, man. And, um, you know, through this journey, through this show, I look forward to, you know, taking that journey with you. And, and and I appreciate that, man. I mean, I tell you, um, to have the diagnosis of my dad in 2016, February, and propose to my girlfriend at the time in, in March, um, and then my dad passed in July, and then mm. we get married in October, mm. right? So if you look at the bookends, right, I, I was thrusted into becoming a man and into be entering into becoming a husband. Mm. Most men, it's a transition, but when you're thrown into it, it's, I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta show up. I just gotta, it's game time. I got my glove. I may not have my bat, but I know how to do this. I think I know how to do this. Damn it. I don't know how to do this, but I'm gonna figure it out. And that's exactly what those months were for me. You know, and um, you you talk about full circle. Um, I mean, and let's not mention, you know, shortly after that, it, you became a father. I mean, Absolutely. not shortly, but in a in a very small few years, you had a lot of transition in your mm-hmm. life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and with that in mind, 
What are you looking forward to in this stage of fatherhood? Well, I tell you, I mean, uh, introduce my son to the podcast world. His name is 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 Nas, um, and he's not named after the greatest rapper of all time, though I will definitely tell him that. Um, <laughs> but what I am looking forward to is being mindful with him in moments of life where I wasn't mindful of the blessing that I had with my dad in real time. And I don't think he was either. Um, I think my dad was dealing with a lot when it came to fathering me and it was trans, it was transactional, right? Like I put food on the table to feed you versus being mindful like I am in that, Hey son, I know that you are only these many months old, but let me talk you through the process of what I am doing and why I am seasoning this, this particular way and where this particular item, this dish comes from. Right. I mean, he may not even know what Lowry season and salt is, but <laughs> the fact that it's a part of the conversation and that's how I think about what that baseball glove, um, that baseball glove experience was for my father and I. And so I'm looking forward to being fully present. And when I mean fully present, I mean emotionally, physically, spiritually. And it's not going to be everything. Right. I mean, you know, when he gets his first bike, that's definitely going to be something that I'm fully in. But when he scrapes his knee for the 13th time, be like, all right. I mean, hey, it hurts, but yeah, keep it moving. Um, but, you know. I feel that that is something I am looking forward to bringing, uh, continuing the legacy of, and also um, doing it with my teammate, with my wife. Right? Like, I am, I am, I am blessed to have found a woman that is patient, and kind, and loving, and thoughtful, and she is. All of her strengths are all of my weaknesses. And to be able to vocalize that and to be able to say, I am not strong in this, but you are. Can you please help me? Um, And to say that in front of my son. And lastly, I am looking forward to loving my wife in front of my son. I want to show him how to honor, how to see how to uphold and how to spotlight um, the person that you are going to spend the rest of your life with. Um, I saw it sporadically uh, with my dad, um, but I want to make it so normalized that my son enters into a relationship having the bare essentials to what it takes to be the best representation of himself. As members of your village, you know, what expectations do you have of us? I mean, now, yeah, I'm assuming. (laughs) 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 I I, I don't know. I don't know if if we have the grandmaster status, but, uh, but no, I mean, you know, whatever level we have in your, um, you know, your, your totem, your system, uh, you know, what expectations do you have of us? You know, to hold me accountable, to challenge, to, to push, to joke, um, and, and more importantly, to, to make time. Um, you know, when you're new to a city, when you're new to a landscape, 
um, you have to rely on that village. You mm-hmm. know, if, if, if I need to know where the good crab spot is, I know who to go to for that. Right. Or if I just want to go ahead and, and, and go to somebody's backyard and, and sip on some bourbon and, and listen to, you know, 80s soul music to be able to do that, too. Come um, on, man. Come you know, on, never. I mean, I'll tell you that that is that's a form of therapy. Right. And we see it as hanging out. But to hang out means to also to share out. Right. And so um, to make the space for that, to also make the space for our kids to to grow um, in the space of, of kiddom to, together, um, but also just to be there when I may not vocalize what I need. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a Capricorn, man, and, and, and I'm stubborn. And, and once I get to 100, like I can shut out anything and everybody. But just when that person that is asking that last time decides not to ask, the next time may have been the time where I, where I said, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Let me go ahead and peel this onion back. And so just to go ahead and, um, you know, just know that stubborn for you may be a coping ne- mechanism as I see it. You know, so um, to challenge me on my music taste, challenge me on everything and and keep it moving. Yeah. Okay, I could do that. I could do that. Dina? No, that's, that's what's up because... Um, I thought you were going to be like, no, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> no, nah, nah, that, that works. And, I, and I'll tell you why. So often we surround ourselves with with like minds, you mm-hmm. know, and it and it's, it's cool if we like the same things, but sometimes it takes a differing opinion to either open our mind to something or for, so that we can sharpen... Nope. Yep. I was absolutely right. You know, uh, I think it's good to have divergent opinions that you can trust. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's always that cat in the corner at the barbershop who's just talking wild. I'm not I'm not saying that. But to have um, people in your circle who you can you can rap about things and you can safely unpack with, uh, I, I think is incredible. And I'm, I'm happy to be there for you uh, and to be that for you. And I hope that you'll be the same to us. Most definitely. Most definitely. It's not, it's not even an ask. It's, it, it's a win. So uh, my final question is this, Brian. You know, it's it's clear that you are introspective about your relationship with your father, um, the type of father that you want to be, and the, the love and the goals that you have um, for your son. Sometimes it's just a Thursday, bro. Sometimes you're tired. Sometimes, you know, you woke up and you stepped on a Lego. What do you do or what checks do you put in place to make sure that your approach to fathering can be aligned with your values? You know, to ensure that you're not taking the cheap way out sometimes. Oh, man. I mean, one of the things that I do is I try to think about all of the possibilities. Uh, I easily go back to thinking of how my dad would have done it or um, think about what will Nas then see this as. Um, I talk to, of course, my wife um, a lot about these things. I talk to my therapist um, a lot about these things. And I ask to be challenged. Like, what is the blind spot? Like, what am I missing? Like, what am I bringing into 
a particular situation that may be clouding, uh, you know, one's next best step. And then, you know, lastly, I've not mentioned this throughout the the podcast, but you know, I'll, I'll get down on my knees and 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 I'll just ask for my daily bread, right? Like, I may not, because. God already knows, right? Like God already knows. And so instead of me being very specific with what I need from God, I will just ask for the daily bread. Like, what do I need? And once it is released and gone to then know that whatever next step is taken in this fantasy called life, that that is the best thing at that time in that moment. And I just, like I said a little bit earlier, man, I appreciate, uh, you know, going deep. It's like if if we're going to do this show, it needs to it needs to be something that um, that changes a life. You know, it needs to be that story that somebody else was afraid to to share um, to help them be their best selves. So, um, yeah, man, thank you for. You know, continuing. You know, you're the, you're the second one. Uh, continuing the legacy of going deep, and now, I mean, shoot, I'm next. So yeah, man, yeah, man. I, I'm gonna have to get ready. I mean, <laughs> we we gonna ramp up these questions a little bit. I might have to get a little sophisticated ratchet on this mm. side of oh, of, Lord, Lord. of of Virginia and uh, get you these questions and. I don't know. I was about to say, I don't know if I want some Virginia ratchet, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole nother level. Lord, um, as long as it don't come with a speeding ticket. Oh man. Uh, trust me. Trust me. It, <laughs> it, 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 it does not. The The last thing that I did want to say is this is one of the questions that I was hoping that you guys would ask, but I'm going to just throw it in myself. And that was the, the model of fatherhood in media and pop culture. Um, that best connects with you. And mm. I, I just wanted to go ahead and, and, and put this out there and it being uh, Uncle Phil. Um, you know, uh, when, when Uncle Phil, um, James Avery, passed away, um, I didn't know James Avery, the man. I knew him as Uncle Phil, right? And so it, it hit a little bit different in that seeing someone that grew up uh, running around with pigs to then go to to Yale uh, and become this prominent uh, lawyer or Princeton and become this prominent lawyer um, and, and always maintain this level of stoic, but you would still see this other side being pulled in when Will would, would, would show himself, right? And so I grew up with this show um, I connected with all of the characters, um, but the moment that meant the most, and you guys know this, this episode too, because we've talked about this offline, which was when Will met his father. Ooh. Okay, hold on. Who's cutting onions? Classic TV. It was, listen, that, and I, and I heard a recent story. Uh, I was listening to a podcast um, with with uh, with Will Smith and he talked about how, as he was on the show, he was always trying to get James uh, James's approval, and he was always really trying to get James to say that he was a good actor. And it wasn't until that moment where they started acting, and the first take took place, and Will just fumbled. 
And James got upset with him and saying that you need to do this right. And Will said that he went to a very dark place. And that moment that we saw in television was the second take where he actually just lost it. And what was not in the script was when Will fell into James's arms and James hugged him. But what we don't see is what Will shared in the podcast. And that was James leaned in his ear and said, that's how you act. And again, I see that as don't live this life to seek someone else's approval. When the stuff gets tough, you will always have the support and love from the very people that see you for who you are. Period. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a masterclass on how I'm going to answer the questions you ask, but I'm going to tell you what I want you to know. (laughs) (laughs) Much appreciated. That's that's what's up. That was great. Thanks for checking out Dad Jeans, the podcast where we explore the DNA of healthy fathering. Today, we had an opportunity to to learn a little bit more about Brian. Tune in next time. Check out when we interview Harris. Until then, peace. Peace. peace.